Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights and this is as bad a fire as we... On this episode, we're joined by Antron Brown, a winner last weekend at the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals in Bradenton, and we're talking rumors. It's going to be Tim Wilkerson! Wilkerson goes 391-2! It's PRI Show Week, and that means there's going to be news breaking all across the sport of drag racing. Perfect reaction time for Dallas Glenn. Triple zeros across the top of the time slip, and at the finish line stripe, it's Dallas Glenn. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Cruz Pentagon, 395-8, 324 miles an hour. It marks a victory of 26 ten thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, Brian Loans back again here with the NHRA Insider Podcast, another of our early off-season editions and um, one that um, one that's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, as you may have heard, maybe you haven't, Antron Brown last weekend went to Bradenton Motorsports Park to compete in an event known as the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals. It's been going on for about 50 years and this is a race that is um, you know, really one of the great door slammer match races in the world anymore and it's just really amazing. There was 40, 40 pro mods there. Antron competed in a class called Pro 275, which is um, almost a pro mod drivetrain in a, in a steel roof and quarter style door slammer car and um, runs down in the low three second range in the eighth mile and uh, I should say that the mid three second range in the eighth mile and um, uh, managed to uh, win the race and uh, for the first time ever driving something like that in competition he drove Manny Bujinga's car and, and got the job done so uh, 3.71 seconds was the winning elapsed time so yeah mid upper three second range of a pro 275 car and uh, happy to be down there calling the race as well and so Antron is going to be our guest this week and I want to talk to him about his experience down there, how this all came together. And, you know, it was a very interesting process watching him adapt to that race car. So different than obviously a top fuel car, so different than so many other things that he has driven. But he proved himself a professional over the course of time by finding the, the sweet spot for himself uh, in the race car, not overdriving it. He had Brad Mason down there with him and Brian Karate. Uh, the crew chief on the car that he drove is Jamie Miller, who is the crew chief on Chris Thorne's Pro Mod that won the 2022 NHRA Pro Modified Championship. And Jamie uh, continues to have a really a career year for a guy who has been uh, deep in the world of race car tuning and building for so many years. This has been... Of all the great wins Jamie has had, uh, these wins this year have been pretty spectacular, and, and this was a, a very wild and awesome way to cap it. And to me, this does cap it as far as a competition season of drag racing in the country goes on a very, very high level. Um, there will be bracket races to be run yet this year. Some Christmas week stuff gets done. Some New Year's week stuff gets done. But in terms of big heads up, high profile, big money races, the Snowbirds really kind of close things out. Um and it's cool that that event is cool because of the fact that, you know, we had uh, NHRA well represented there with the likes of Lyle Barnett, who won the U.S. Nationals this year, Stevie Fast Jackson, multi-time champion, um, a host of winners, you know, Todd Tuttero, who won the 50th Gator Nationals. You know, you had all these guys that have won and competed on the NHRA side. You had champions from the PDRA, uh, both Pro Nitrous and Pro Boost. They actually had to race them each other during eliminations. Jim Halsey had to race Todd Tuttero at one point, which I thought was one of the highlight moments of the entire race uh and then you had to go through uh with champions from the northeast outlaw pro mod association mike decker was there uh, running very well midwest drag racing series racers were represented nmca racers were represented so what you end up with at this event is this um 
this group of pro mods, 40 of them trying to qualify for, actually I think it was a little more than 40, trying to qualify for a 32 car field. Um, the five different power adders available, the spread of the bump last year was a tenth of a second between one and 32. 361.1 was number one, 371.1 was number two. This year is a little wider spread only because Melanie Salemi uh, ran 358 in qualifying. That was the only car to go in the 350s. Uh, she was number one. And the number 32 qualifier was a 371. So we went from a 10th uh, perfect spread to, what, 13 thousandths or something like that. So, um, uh, or 13 hundredths, I should say. So it's uh, it's a great event. I think there, I always kind of leave with this lingering question as to why, you know, should NHRA Pro Mod transition to an eighth mile? Should NHRA Pro Mod transition to the rule set, basically, that's used at an event like the Snowbirds? Because we see the parity. We see the ability to, to compete on the level. We see big car counts. We see people running for, you know, big amount of money. Um, so, you know, there's always that part of me that thinks, geez, maybe this is the way forward. Maybe this is the way to go with the class. Now, the racers last year, they met and uh, the, it was presented to them. Hey, what about we, you know, because obviously NHRA Pro Mod needs cars. Um, actually, Elite Motorsports just announced a new full-time Pro Mod entry to their uh, team for next year, but we'll talk about that in a little while. Um, so the the thing that you know to me we come back to is the quality of the racing and the car counts. And you know I'm not sure I've seen now two years running better quality pro mod racing in my life. And I've been around these things now for about 20 years in a in an announcing capacity at a high level with uh, you know my IHRA days back then. That was kind of the glory days of that class um, in those early 2000s about 10 years after it was founded you know we'd have 40 or 50 of them showing up and it looked a lot like it does today uh, at events like the snowbirds and so you know the eighth mile format obviously provides uh, a little bit more forgiveness on parts breakage i mean trust me people still blow stuff up we watched it we saw it we saw plenty of stuff get get slaughterized on the racetrack this weekend um but the back half of the racetrack and the quarter mile typically is where a lot of big time problems happen mechanically so you know, for the amount of cars we had, the amount of runs we made, you know, we're able to run five qualifying sessions at this race to get everybody really locked in. Uh, the elimination runs were were indicative of that. People that had made those qualifying sessions, so I do think it's I do think it's an interesting thing to to consider. Um, why not? You know, and I know the racers again. They were presented it. They voted it down. They wanted to stay quarter mile. There is a, a there is a pride and an understandable pride and an enjoyment, uh, both from my seat and from the driver's seat, of running the full quarter mile because nobody else does it anymore. The the, the NHRA series is the last standing quarter mile pro mod series in the country. Um, and if I'm wrong on that, you can you can call me up and and slap me upside the head. But when we look across the board. And NMCA eighth mile, Midwest eighth mile, Northeast Outlaw eighth mile, PDRA eighth mile. Um, you know, those are the majors, right? Those are all the majors. And that's where they've gone for a multitude of reasons. Whether we're talking about uh, cost containment or other things, the eighth mile format is, is where most people have fallen into. So does that make the NHRA Pro Mod series a good outlier or is this what maybe um, maybe hampering car count? Good question to answer, good question to debate, good question to talk about. We have had plenty of eighth-mile racers come over and give it the old college try. Some of them have been more successful than others, as tends to be the case in all different things. But it is a difficult transition to go one – it's a difficult, more difficult transition to go quarter-mile 
to go eighth mile to quarter mile racing, of course, than it is to go quarter mile to eighth mile racing. You may make some tweaks and changes on, on how you set the car up uh, down low. Perhaps maybe you don't. Maybe you don't change anything. But the back half of that racetrack, as I mentioned before, for an eighth mile racer, when you have that car set up to be absolutely all in and running as hard and as fast as it can go by the eighth mile to now and kind of change your entire perspective, double the length of the track, and then, you know, kind of deal with some unknowns. If you've never done it before, dealing with that last, I mean, not just the last 660 feet, but really the last four, five, 300 feet where the motor is up in an RPM range that uh, is very, very high and it's going to live there for a lot longer time than it typically does on an eighth mile run. You know, all these things, um, all these things require adjustment, change, and learning, which, uh, as we all know, those are three euphemisms for money, money, money uh, in any sort of racing, including drag racing. But the, the Snowbirds were a great event. Antron Brown will be our guest. He will be uh, on here in just a couple of minutes. Before we have Antron on, I want to run through uh, some rumors that I've heard, some news that has been maybe bubbling behind or underneath the surface as we come into PRI week. Um, PRI week is, is obviously a big one. Uh, across the board in racing and, and we focus of course on drag racing because that's why we're here nhra um is is what we kind of concentrate our our stuff on around here but the idea that basically every single form of the sport of drag racing is uh sorry the form of american motorsports is so amazingly represented at pri from from stock car racing to demolition derbies to quite literally anything with wheels that makes a noise um monster trucks tractor pulling and everybody gets together in this and in this one place and and you know it's such a unique environment and so we'll be on the stage all week with nhra um it is a place where a lot of news is going to get broken both internally and uh you know with our different race teams and stuff like that we'll also be doing a bunch of different stuff over the course of the week there'll be some social media creation stuff like that going on um so coming into this week we know there are planned announcements coming so for instance jim campbell it has just came out yesterday as i make this show on a tuesday that jim campbell and we intimated this a week ago or more on this podcast uh, hence the insider name that jim campbell was no longer going to be driving jim dunn's car lo and behold um we were right and uh, not to say we usually are but you know if you look back you're not going to find a whole lot of swings and misses around here so uh he is out of the seat and on Thursday, the new driver will be announced. There are a handful of people who know who that person is. Um, those of you in the world of drag racing know who this person is. And uh, <laughs> you're going to like this. I, maybe you will, maybe you won't. If you're a huge Jim Campbell fan, you're obviously disappointed. Hopefully, Jim's able to find some opportunities out there and, and do something uh, do something with somebody else. This particular driver coming in uh, is a guy who is not the person you expect that will be driving this nitro funny car he's an established name he's an established winner and he is not the person that anybody i think has their finger on the pulse of right now and in a good way this is going to be a nice uh, kind of fun announcement to be made and that's going to happen on thursday uh it'll be made at the show but of course it's going to get blasted out all over social media both on this driver's channels and of course across the uh kind of nhra landscape as well so that's one big one coming as far as that one goes. We know the announcement, um, at least we think we know, and again, I think we're, we're pretty good around here of, of knowing some stuff. Um, the announcement with, with Titan, um, I should say rather, with KB Racing and who their new kind of ownership group and, and how that whole program is going to look going forward, we're going to find out how that plays out. That will be announced at PRI. We have heard that there are 
some changes already happening in the world of uh, of crew people. Uh, some high-level crew people. Now, I'm not sure if this will be announced at PRI or if it will become common knowledge at PRI, but we're understanding some of the most, uh, let's call them high-profile names, uh, specifically in top fuel, on the crew side of things, are leaving or shifting or moving around. And not necessarily crew chiefs, but people who are very close to crew chiefs, people who can be their own crew chiefs, I believe, if not now in the future, and people that play integral rules on roles on some of the most high-profile teams in the sport are um, changing gears. And for at least one of those guys, the gears may be outside of drag racing. For two of these guys, those gears are reported to be a different team. And as much as we make a big deal out of the crew chiefs and, and where do the crew chiefs go and, and how does that work in terms of, you know, Tato Kahara and Aaron Brooks uh, moving over to Tasca and, and Mike Neff, John Schaefer moving over to to Tony Schumacher. Um, there is there is a much higher, albeit less high profile value in let's call them the car chiefs. Let's call them the grizzled veterans. Let's call them the experienced crew people that physically execute the orders of the crew chief. And we've said it a thousand times, and I'll continue to say it a thousand times, in that if you have an incredible executive chef at a restaurant that is smart and forward-thinking and has a menu that is to beat the band, but his sous chefs cannot cook the food the way that he needs it to be cooked, the restaurant will go out of business. The same can be said for any any form of drag racing and it goes extrapolates itself all the way up to the nitro ranks if you have the most brilliant crew chief on the planet and he knows and he has a plan and he has an execution idea that that, that we're going to make this thing go and it is not installed the right way it doesn't matter who's making those decisions it doesn't matter you know it, it, it it's a it's a tough thing to look at and and we see and we wonder why some really high-profile teams struggle. We wonder why some of these things happen. And it's not because anybody forgot how to do something in terms of the the high-level crew chief element of it, but it's that it's not getting done the right way. And that's a sad, you know, hard truth, right? It's a hard truth. It's a, it's a thing that I say, and I'm sure there are people listening that are going to call me up and yell at me for saying it, but but that's the idea. The idea is that this the the plan needs to be executed for the car to succeed. You can have a great plan, bad execution, and you're nowheresville. And so some of these moves that I've been hearing about bubbling below the surface are moves that are on this level, on this level of execution, on this level of improving the physical construction, the physical the physical work that is being done, the quality of that work and the accuracy of that work. So uh, the next few days, next few weeks are going to be very interesting. And I think you're going to learn about some of these changes more by addition than subtraction in that. um, I think you're going to hear some names, quote unquote, added to teams per se that are actually replacing people who have left. And the great, you know, drag racing rumor machine will certainly find another gear for itself at PRI because it's one thing when all of us are scattered all over the country kind of playing the telephone game text in and I'm trying to follow up on some of this stuff to get some information it's another thing when everybody's right there you can go hey did this happen are you doing this is this going on internally and uh, kind of getting some getting some information on that 
We have not heard a whole lot more about Maurice Dupont after his uh, his return in Pomona. We know that he talked about what he wants to do. Uh, we've not heard a lot of forward momentum or mo- motion on what that's going to look like for 2023. And, you know, this is one of those, I want to say doldrum type of the years, but or times of the year, but it kind of is. And maybe that's a good thing. But, you know, from this point forward until really the second week in January, outside of what we get out of the the PRI experience this week, uh, it will be quiet. And, you know, this is that time of, uh, of thankfully, of being able to cool the jets a little bit and, and uh, let your, you know, let your life kind of return back to a normal pace and speed for a little while before winter testing begins to kick up and stuff like that starts to happen. So expect a, um, expect a strong flurry of news this week. And again, the driver on the Campbell car is, is going to be a fun one because, um, just again, it's it's not if we put a lot of even knowledgeable, if we put a lot of knowledgeable drag racing fans in a room and said this person is going to be a full time funny car driver next year, most of the knowledgeable drag racing fans would still get this answer wrong. And that makes it great. So it's going to be fun. Pay attention uh, to to the news on Thursday for that. So I've run through some of the scuttlebutt that I have heard, some of the rumors I have heard, some of the things that I believe are bubbling, uh, if not on top of the surface underneath it. And that's stuff that we're going to continue to work on and, and suss out over the next few weeks. Let's change our attention now to our guest this week, who had has to be one of the most memorable wins of his drag racing career. Happened at Bradenton Motorsports Park last weekend. He has won in Top Fuel. He has won in Pro Stock Motorcycle. And now he can claim he has won in Outlaw Drag Racing as well as a racer in, in the Pro 275 category. Antron Brown, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, big. Doing good, man. Uh it's coming off of a nice, hot, beautiful weekend there in Bradenton, man. I tell you what, I had a blast out there with just all the people, the fans, and all the racers. Just, man, this took me back just to be like, man, you know what? This is like the roots on how I grew up in drag racing right there. And that's the cool thing about doing stuff like this. It is a it is a change of pace, and, and obviously, you know, the pressure to win is always there for a guy like you as a champion, but the reality is that environment, and that's one of the reasons I love kind of branching out and doing some of this different stuff, that environment is just so much fun, and, and honestly, it's a little bit more relaxed in the sense of you don't have the big pressures of everybody needing five seconds of your time, right? No, 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 but the, the coolest part was is that I was out there packing my shoots I'll pack shoots, pack the shoots on both cars and, you know, having karate and Brad out there, Brian karate and Brad out there helping out with all the guys that was working on, on Manny's car. And, uh, we were right at home man. we were all in it together. We were all pulling the rope the same way. And then the cool part was we have all the folks walking up, shooting the breeze, talking. And, uh, I had a couple of kids working on the car with me. I was up there staging some junior dragsters. I was watching every class I could. I went up there and watched the motorcycle guys, and I almost threw my leg over one of those four sixty bikes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, it's just it's a great thing. And and I guess you know the first question I have for you is what was the genesis of this whole thing? Like, how did the first conversation start, and then how did the whole thing come together with you actually getting the seat of this car? Well, this is the funny part. I don't know if all of the people out there know this little Italian guy from Louisiana <laughs> named Carlo Carlo Calinato. And, uh, and Carlo, he is really, really, really good friends with Manny. And he's been a brother to me for a long time. He's the godfather of my youngest son, Adler. So me and Carlo go way back since 2001. And he's always telling me about Manny. 
and he's telling Manny always about me that we got to get together. And I met Manny a couple years ago at uh, at the PRI show where he bought Fred there for the first time and had it on display. And I'm going down and I said, man, this is a nice car. I'm like, Lord have mercy. I'm like looking at it. I'm like, this is a pro stock car with small tires. And matter of fact, it was. That's what <laughs> yeah. it was. It's a yeah. pro stock car. And, uh, and then he goes, and then he's got the, the Pro 275, the small radial tires on it. And then he's got the Pro-Line engine with the Pro Charger on it. I'm looking, I'm like, this thing's a beast, man. Yeah. This is a beast. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm looking at, I'm looking at those tires, those little radial tires, like Junior Dragster tires on steroids. <laughs> and, and I'm looking, I'm like, you guys drive how fast and how quick with these little tires? He goes, yeah, man. We just blah, 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 blah. And you hear Manny talking about it. I'm like, I was like, these fools have lost their mind. Oh, it's, right? a, it's an amazing thing to watch, man. And, and you mentioned Manny, just to let everybody know, that's Manny Bujinga, who owns the car that Antron drove. He's a, a multi-time champion in NMRA and NMCA drag racing. He's won everything there is to win on a, on a small tire side of things as well. So, And the car's name, of course, is Fred. And so, you know, you see the car, you have car, the, the, the Carlo connection. I mean, how far before the race did this thing get put together? I mean, was it a couple of weeks ago? Was it six months ago? <laughs> No, this is some funny stuff. This is some funny stuff. So Manny's telling me, hey, A.B., we got the Snowbird Nationals coming up. And he hit me up, like, right before Pomona. Okay. Right, like, right before Pomona. I said, man, I don't know, man. I got to get home. And I'll come down there and check you guys out. Because he's been wanting me to come out just to watch. Sure. You know what I mean? Even when he was doing a no prep kings and all that stuff. A.B., you need to come out and watch. But it can never line up because you know how busy our NHRA schedule yeah. is and all the stuff that we have to do off the cuff. And then, uh, then uh, I, I got down, and I was down in Louisiana the week, like right, like I got there before Thanksgiving on a Wednesday. And Manny calls me up, "Are you coming or not?" I said, "Man, <laughs> I gotta get. Let me let me do my due diligence. I gotta call, like you know, all my partners and let them know what I'm doing. So yeah. it's not a surprise to everybody, you know what I mean, and everything else like that. So I did it. Got the green light." And I looked at him, I go, well, I'm in, brother. Let me go book my ticket. I was so late booking my ticket at the last minute. There were no hotel rooms around Raider, <laughs> Florida. I don't know what's going on. Some golf deal and some other stuff. And then, of course, the snowbirds. So I ended up staying in Clearwater, Tampa, where we were driving down every morning. Oh, wow. 45 minutes from the track. So wasn't no big deal. It's kind of like you're racing Atlanta, Georgia. You got to drive far to get to the track, right? So, so did that i get there on wednesday had a toyota shoot like for this dream giveaway car deal that we're giving giving away you know on dreamgiveaway.com a super and the tundra nice you know, promo code antron y'all can sign up and get some tickets but anyway like you know so then i get there thursday and i said we're going to make some laps so i got to make two laps in the car on thursday we spun the tires in the first 60 foot on the first lap Second lap is going out there getting ghosts and it gets in the second gear, locks up in the car. If I remember, the car pulls one way, like hard right. And like I'm in the left lane, it's going towards the line. So I just shut off. Right? I said, man, that didn't feel right. 
I'm turning the wheel, ain't got no input. The reason why I have no input because the front wheels are still up in the ground. So they're still up in the air. They're not on the ground. If I would have stayed with it a little bit longer, it would have came down and pulled back left. But I didn't know that yet. You yeah. know what I mean? So so then I come back, I tell him, he goes, well, you did great. That's what you're supposed to do. He goes, but the good part is, Fred has never went right. So they've been working with the shocks and track bars because they've been having some issues with it lately okay. going left. And uh, I said, well, that's good to know. I said, we'll come halfway back, and we're good to go. So I'm thinking we'll get another lick. Well, we didn't get another lick that night. So the first hit, full run hit, was Friday night, the first qualifying run. And she goes out there and goes to 75 with a 9, puts on a pole, goes straight in his arrow. I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is awesome. And then, you know, lo and behold, I thought we were going to get three runs on Saturday so I can get in the groove of how to race the car. And I'm still learning how to drive the thing. Yeah. So never really got a good crack of just like cracking a tree without thinking about how to drive the car. Yeah, and listen, in the, the driving the car part, one of the things, and, and we talked about this when we were hanging out in the tower a little bit, that second qualifying session, the car went out, made that right hand, a more gentle right-hand move, but and you were on a solo so we could hear it, and you just kind of gently breathed on the gas pedal, got the thing squared back up again, and kept your foot plugged into it. And that was a neat thing for me to see because that was definitely, to me anyway, from a visual standpoint, it's like, okay, this dude's kind of starting to really understand how this thing works and, and what it likes and what it doesn't like. Yeah, and, and that was the crazy part is because – it wasn't the wheels were still up and it was just getting too close like it was getting too out the groove in the left lane so all i did was i rolled off the gas just like you do anything else and it made it plant the front end back down on the ground and then i got to recover and i got back in the gas but i just wanted to practice doing that yeah just in case you know on race day we get in the heat of the day you're gonna have to do that to win that round and I didn't even go all the way to the finish line, and it still went a 381. The car was like on a 374, 375 in the heat of the day. So I was like, all right, I got it. I got it. I, 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 now I'm comfortable to know that it will respond to rolling out the gas and loading the front end down and just rolling back in it gently. And it worked like a champ. So I'm like, so that gave me confidence in saying, I'm starting to get this nitty gritty down on how to make make the car cooperate but then uh on race day i didn't have to do it on race day i just i kept my foot in it and i just got used to driving it more <laughs> to me just one of the things i've always watched guys get in these cars and, and it doesn't matter if you've driven anything but not let alone a top fuel car but one of the things that people seem to always struggle with is that procedure of staging because there's a lot going on in the cockpit of these cars that has absolutely nothing to do with what you do in a top fuel car but that doesn't seem like it was a problem for you i mean obviously you, you were being very deliberate in, in how you got the car in there you, you didn't hang anybody out you staged on time but talk about that a little bit i mean having to bump the car in having to do all these different things that are totally, you know, in some ways really far into what you do otherwise. Well, for sure. And I, Brian, the coolest part was, is that like, you know, I, I talked to Manny a lot on the phone and I talked to Lowe and all the guys there. And, and the good part is, is that for me, I've always been a student of the game, no matter what cars are on the racetrack. Like people don't realize when the pro mods come to any trade drag racing, I go up and watch them. Yeah. I, like I, if I'm up there early, I watch pro star car, I watch Pro Stock Motorcycle. I watch Top Dragster. I watch every class there is when I get a chance to get away in Cop Preliminary because I love it. Plain and simple, I love it. And uh, and then for me, I did so many mental reps in the car 
sitting in the pits, like bumping it in, how I wanted to bump it in. And, and I stayed shallow every time. Like yeah. I flickered the bulb and, and I was hitting the tree and the most I could get out those cars were low fifties. If I just bumped it in, like a lot of other people do when they race, they just hold the, they just hold the bump in button until a light lights up and they're three or four inches in. And then you can cut 20, 30s all day long if you want to. But my problem is, is that I didn't want to cheat the car ET. Yeah. And plus the fact is I didn't want to take a chance of bumping in too deep because I get too aggressive with it and it turns the top bulb out and I let the button go and I go red. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, why? So for me, I try to do the same thing, but I did mess up, mess up the gentleman I was racing in the semifinals because I went in and I bumped in and flickered the bulb on and I went to get on the gas and the, and the bulb went back out and I let go of the gas and then I had to bump back in one more time and get back on the gas and he went off the gas and then when the tree came down, I took off and he was sitting there standing still and he was like, at the end of the truck, he goes, I ain't never had nobody put one of those okie doke moves on me like that. And I'm like, I wasn't trying to. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, we were watching it and and that was a moment for me that was interesting because a lot of times in in this style of racing, we see that happen. And so the guy goes in and takes another big bite out of it. And then the red light turns on, just like you talked about. And you were able to take a really small nibble at it to get just enough in to get the bulb to lock on and still, you know, and still left and Decker on the other side of the racetrack, like you said. And, And we were talking about it after you guys had made the turn where it's like listen this guy this guy does not and and eventually this is something he'd be able to do if he wanted to on purpose but that was definitely not in the cards he didn't roll up there going watch this guys i'm gonna i'm gonna take this dude to the cleaners no no and, and, and it's about it I, I, i've just been trying to stay as thin as possible every lap where i flickered above i've been flicking above and qualifying and usually when you flickered above and then you still and you have your hand on the trans brake and you hit the gas it usually rocks the car for it like yeah. you know about an inch where the bub should stay solid. Well, this time it rocked back out. It wasn't coming on. So I had to like, I literally had to regroup because you can't bump in with the gas no. wide open. No. So you gotta let, cause if I did that, it would have, it would have took off. So I would have had to let off the gas pedal, bump in, get back on the gas, and then the tree come down and let go of the trans brake button. So it was what it was. But the, the cool part is one thing, when I'm usually on the starting line, no matter what goes on, I'm always usually pretty cool, calm, and collective. You got to be right. That's what, and that's what got me through it. Honestly, yeah. just just not overthinking it. Just like, okay, it ain't on. All right, off the gas, bump in, throttle back down, tree, get ready for a tree, come down, boom, go, and that's what we did. One, so it was all good. You know, obviously winning the race was great, but the method in which you won the race was really spectacular. You had a fantastic final round with Marcus Bird, a guy who, again, may not be a household name to many, you know, dedicated uh, dyed-in-the-wool NHRA fans, but Marcus Bird is a guy that's known as the Axeman. He is a, an incredibly well-known grudge racer in the South. He's held the world record in radio versus the world. Um, he is the type of guy that, much like you, can get into a car, adapt to it very quickly, and be uh, just as good as anybody else in the field, no matter how big their level of experience. And you guys have had what 38 10th out at the stripe it was just one of those classic drag radial final rounds where both cars were stuck to the racetrack and both guys got off on time it was really really great it was the, it was the, it was an incredible drag race and uh i can tell you this i wanted to make sure my my whole thing going in there i'm like you know what i'm just gonna go here and stage because i know 
they're like, they're, like he wanted, he thought that I was going to sit there and make him stage first and everything else. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead on in because I know him and Manny has battles oh, yeah. and they were going back and forth. And Marcus, I mean, he's an incredible driver and that car is Manny's old car, Ted. Yes. And, and that car is no joke. And I, I and let me tell you something. After watching the film over, I can tell you that he probably won a 71 with us. Yeah, he did. He was a little bit, he was a little bit deeper in, took a little bit bigger bite. Yes, he did. He took, he took a bite out that tree and then he had a 39 and we had a 50, a 52. So it was like literally like 13,000 difference in reaction time. But he went like a nine, eight, 60 foot and we went up 0.971. So our cars were glued together. They were like dead even all the way down the racetrack. So when I, and when I got up there in high gear, I was looking over, I'm like, he's right there. He's going to get it. Like, like that's the coolest part in a door car. That's what I was going to ask you. That was the next thing I was going to ask is how much better can you see out of that thing as far as the guy in the middle lane? Yeah. I can see everything. I can see everything. And I'm, I'm looking over and I'm looking over. I'm like, I'm like, I was like, come on, Fred. Come on, Fred. And I'm looking at it, and we're just glued together because we never left each other. So nobody was making a, a dark move back and forth, and it was just really, really cool to see that. And uh, and then when the wind light popped up, I was like, <sighs> like that's how close it was, and it was just a heck of a drag race, a heck of a drag race for sure. Yeah, it was it was a great weekend all around, and there was obviously so much excitement to, f- among the fans and people that follow the sport on the NHRA side. Where everyone all of a sudden, once they knew you were there, was really kind of glued into figuring out exactly how you do. You know, Dell Worsham's texting me; he's watching the race. Caps is watching the race. All these guys are like, "He's doing it, man! He's going rounds!" And it was uh, a really neat thing. And along those lines, you know, we see the NASCAR drivers do a lot of this, and many of them are racing at an event called the Snowball Derby last weekend. Brad Kozlowski and others. And this is the NASCAR. This is the drag race equivalent of that right we see race car drivers when they have some downtime go off and and do something that's more of a passion project than their job and i'm wondering how important you think that is for our sport i personally think it's really important because it engages all these different people i guarantee you there are people that watch the snowbirds whether they were there or watch it online that are now going to follow you closer in top fuel next year because they knew you were down there without a doubt without a doubt brian And, and the coolest part of it is is that when you go down there I met so many people that watch drag racing on NHRA drag racing on TV that has never been to a national event. Yeah. And when they came out there and they got to come up close to me, they think that we're untouchable. They think that we're not real. They think that we're different. And yeah. I'm like, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just like <laughs> you. I'm, I ain't no different. And now they're able to go there and they're able to say, hey, you know what? AB is just down to earth and he's just like me. He's just a racer. Look at him. He'll get in any type of car, loves racing. And this is what he loves to do. And I said, and I went down there and it was really cool to interact, have fun, cutting up and cracking jokes, messing with people and talking with people. It was a, it, it was, it was an absolute blast. And now they're like, we're coming to a national event. And I said, because you, you came over into their house, into their home, and they were like, he came saw us. We want to go see him. Yeah. So so it goes both ahead. And I think what it does is it marries, it, like it marries the outlaw pro mod world and the drag radio world, and it marries them together and saying, we are family. And we need to anger mingle. We need to do this. And we have such a great sport 
let's let's enjoy it together and let's come out and have some fun together because we all have the same passion and same love for it. Yeah, and it, and it listen, it takes the message that you literally brought to Congress this year. It takes it right into these people's right into their personal lives in that, you know, it's one thing to, to go and, and the work you did with PRI and, and testifying in front of Congress was incredible, but this is the ground level stuff, right? This is the stuff that really lands with people. And, and this idea that, you know, as an industry, as a sport that we can all have our thing, but at the end of the day, we need to all recognize that we're pulling the rope in the same direction. And I think there's a lot more bridges in drag racing now than there was five years ago. There's a lot more of this, this idea that I don't have to be just a drag radio guy and, 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 and everything else sucks. I don't have to be just a top fuel guy and everything else isn't worth it. You know, this idea that, hell, you know what, this actually is something that I can enjoy multiple different facets of. Absolutely. We're all racers and, and, and that's what it boils down to. And we all, we all have that, you know, that strive to go out there and compete. And that's what drag racing is all about. And you can see in every one of those people's and all those competitors eyes this weekend, and I looked at them all and said, man, y'all need to be over in HRA. I said, we need these classes in HRA. And trust me, uh, I'm going to definitely push the envelope on me talking to the powers that be. I'm like, hey, y'all need some drag radio stuff over here. And y'all need some of these, uh, y'all need a whole bunch of these pro mods over here because it what, what thrilled me the most is when you get 45 plus pro mod cars and number 42, 43 are out there running 373s and 374s yep. and they don't make the show yep like like a 71 to a 359 a 12 like a 1200 gap is from number one to number 32 that is absolutely amazing that tells you you've got nothing but quality cars and when i looked at all of them i'm like i gotta have one i gotta have one i don't know how yet but we're going to make it happen. Trust me. Well, karate said the same thing to me in the winter circle. And, and that's the last question I want to ask you is, is how was their experience in, in just, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the, between Brian karate and Brad Mason and, and Franny and, and uh, Jamie Miller is the crew chief on that thing. I'm sure there was a lot of really cool back and forth, just gearhead mechanical conversations. It was, it was. And, and the cool part is we learned a lot from their world and they were learning a lot from, from our experiences in our world, especially when it comes down to turning the car around, if you have to change main bearings or you have to change a valve, valve springs. And we had all hand on deck. We were all helping, tearing the car down and everything else. And and Brad brought his knowledge in there with Race Pact. You know, those guys are dialed in, like dialed in with the fuel tech stuff. You know what I mean? The management system and everything else like that. And uh, it showed us a lot of things on that side of it that we miss over in HRA that we could do better on our side. So the cool part is, is that when we get to mix together like that, that we all can grow and they do things on a whole different level than what we do. And when we actually say, well, you think about this, they're like, wow, I never thought about that because this is the way we have to do it. And they've just done it a certain way for all the years they've been doing it. And, and Brian's real good friends with, with Petty. Yeah. So Petty comes over our trailer all the time and we go over to trailer all the time to see what they do. So the cool part is, is when we get all out there with Jamie and uh, Franny and Brooksy and all those guys, and Craig came over that works on Todd Tedero's car. Uh, it's 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 crazy on how and Aaron who works out over there too. He came from our Nitro ranks. He used to work on uh, cars out there as a clutch guy. So so when you get all these guys together, and we got out together one, and Manny was just so impressed. He goes, AB. 
this is like an all-star team. Yeah. It's like they're, they're, they're talking back and forth and they're resonating and they're doing things together and making an open each other's minds to go to different levels. And, uh, it was amazing. I loved it. I love the synergy out there. And, uh, Brian, I, I can tell you this right now is that you're going to see, you're going to see us out there more often for sure, especially on the off season without a doubt. Well, there you have it. Antron, thanks for taking some time. It's PRI week. I know you're going to be straight out with your with your commitments to Toyota, Matco, Sirius XM, Lucas Oil, everybody that's involved in your team. So uh, take a deep breath, and uh, you got one big push left before you get to spend some time with uh, friends and family over the next few weeks and get ready for 23. But congratulations on the win. It was uh, supremely entertaining to watch, and certainly it was a big amount of fun for me personally to, to be able to scream and yell about it with Al Tucci as it was going on. It was a blast. I know you and I were amazing up there, brother. I don't know how you know all those people's names, but you know everybody. Y'all knew everybody in every in every class, what background they came from, what they did, whether they were trench hole diggers or they flew airplanes. You knew everything about them, and uh, and and that was very very amazing. And that's what, and you know you don't ever get it. So I'm giving you props on on your show that you bring a whole nother level of light to racing the way you commentate because you bring everybody's personal story to the forefront and we just really appreciate you be be good antron i appreciate those words i will see you and uh and actually it's not gonna be that cold this year it'll be kind of temperate for december and in, uh, in indianapolis but i'm sure you and i will spend some time on the nhra stage together but uh i'll see you this week man thanks again and congratulations absolutely thank you so much thank you And that's going to be it for this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. We'll be back next week with all the news and rumors that have broken at PRI, some of the stuff that has sprung up, and some of the information that will be coming to light when we get to the end of this week in the PRI show. Big news on tap in the world of NHRA drag racing and across the drag racing landscape. Big thanks to Antron Brown for taking some time today and reliving his winning experience at the Snowbirds down there at Bradenton Motorsports Park, an NHRA-sanctioned facility that has been under a renaissance this year, the new racing surface, grandstands, all of it they've been doing a great job down there and it all paid off for them at the snowbirds for the 51st or whatever it is 50th time since that place opened up in the early 1970s i'm brian loans i've enjoyed this conversation i hope you have as well i'll be back next week to fill you in on everything that's going on inside the world of nhra camping world drag racing